Hello, 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 and welcome back to Chat With Me, Chat With Me podcast. I'm Michael Brooks, and I'm doing this slightly different um, this week because of school holidays and what have you, and um, a few things uh, not going in my favour and a few things that did. I'm doing it in the evening, so it feels very strange with the sun almost gone and uh, doing it in a different way, but I'm getting it done because I, I'm, I've got a couple of things coming up, which means I wouldn't have it out on time if I didn't do it in one of the evenings. So, welcome to episode eight. This is a show about kind of some of the things people do as active resting or what they consider fun and enjoyable to still be able to do whilst having ME obviously it can vary greatly depending on where you are with your ME journey and um, the severity level of um, where you are at at the moment as well so um, just because I might say a few things out on this podcast does not mean that every single person with ME can achieve this all of the time some of the time some can't even achieve it at all if they're in the severe spectrum so it's just kind of a few things I just wanted to be a bit lighter in regards to personal experiences from myself and other people who have the, the condition but the first half of the show um, I'm going to retouch on Decode ME, the genetic study that's um, taking place at the moment, um, requiring um, people with ME to do a spit test, depending on if um, they meet the criteria for the research for the study. And um, I'm kind of glad because I normally, um, when Aurora's at school and Ashley's at nursery, I normally um, try to record the podcast in the morning which is when I function best and while they're not here um, obviously summer holidays kind of um, conflict of interest there so I did quite well to get it done when I did but I normally record it like a week kind of in advance so that I've got time to edit anything if I need to and this is a bit more last minute and I'm in a sense glad in a way because um, the initial findings came out last Thursday so a week ago now from um, what once this one gets published so I thought that would be a great place to start so um, I will uh, yeah hit you with the initial findings so um, the links to read them yourself um, you can go to my link tree in my bios for both my Instagram and Twitter on chat with me podcast chat with me pod all my Brooksme at Swift accounts and the Decode ME links are there. But also, if you read the um, the episode description for this for today's episode, the links are in there as well. So you can get the summary, which I'm going to read out, and you can get the full detailed report if you can manage it. So, um, yeah, so the initial findings from the Decode ME questionnaire data published. So that's the bit we had to do at the beginning for them to to determine whether we were eligible to do the spit kit or not. So, um, so far, um, and I should add that I am an ambassador for them. So when I say we, I've not done any of the um, (laughs) research or um, anything into the genetics myself. I'm just an ambassador for Decode ME. So 
I, I kind of take a little bit of pride in being able to say we, but ultimately all I did was um, advertise it. So, but anyway, cracking on. We've analysed questionnaire answers from the first seventeen thousand Decode ME participants, and the results have been published by NIHR Open Research. And like I said, there's a link to the episode in the episode description to go to the full page by the Open Research. And just to note that we are still recruiting participants and will continue to collect information as more people join the study. Again, there's a link to the decode in this episode and there's also a link to um, Decodemi in my link trees. And moving swiftly on to the main findings from our an analysis. So it's quite kind of interesting because um, when we think of ME, that, there is a lot of data to suggest that it affects females more than um, the males. And it seems to be proving that in the findings as well. I don't know if that's down to the fact that more females have taken part. So I can't, I don't know what the quota from each is, but it has suggested that being female older and ill for longer increases the chance of greater severity. So our findings support the assumption that ME-CFS is significantly more common in females as 83.5% of participants reported their sex assigned at birth as female. Furthermore, our data suggests that females are more likely to experience severe symptoms. This likelihood further increases with age and if they have had the condition for more than 10 years. Additionally, a higher percentage of female participants reported other co-occurring health conditions. Two-thirds, 66.7% of women, and slightly more than half, 52.7% of men, reported at least one active co-occurring condition. Similarly, sim, sim, oh, I hate when I can't read where my brain goes into the brain fog. So, in, similarly... <laughs> I always love reading stuff out because I go completely, my brain just goes into its brain fog and a word that I would normally be able to say. But eight, I'll, I'll move on because I'm not going to get that word tonight. So 39.2% of women and 28.6% of men reported at least one inactive co-occurring condition. The most common active co-occurring condition was irritable bowel syndrome, 41.3%, with clinical depression, 32.4% and fibromyalgia 29.5%, anemia 14.1% and hypothyroidism 12.8% also featuring prominently. Women also reported on average more symptoms than men so that was 42 compared with 36 which in all fairness both are very high on the system you know when you think that's as many symptoms as you get that's quite scary. The most common of these symptoms were brain fog a term commonly used to describe the cognitive impairment experienced by participants, unrefreshing sleep and muscle pain. Experts say that gaining a better understanding of how ME-CFS affects people is the first step to developing effective treatment options. And to further improve our understanding, we are still recruiting participants whose questionnaire answers will help us understand even more about ME-CFS. Many of these participants will also be invited to provide a DNA sample to contribute to the DNA portion of the study, which aims to identify the biological 
causes of the illness. So again, if you know anyone who has ME, CFS, with a diagnosis of it, lives in the UK and is 16 or older, please, if they haven't already, or they haven't for some reason heard of this um, study, please encourage them to get involved because it, it does need as many people as possible to get a better look and a better understanding of this illness. And I just think it would be such a shame if people don't know about it and you hear this just please try and get them, get them to get involved and uh, the questionnaire for anyone that worries about it it is done at your own pace it is all basically tick box and not much typing apart from your name i think and email address and such at the beginning and um it saves automatically um it was all designed with me in mind so it is stored on your um, phone, laptop or tablet, however you're going to do it and um, you can come back to it, it saves automatically so each time you go back it will be at the place where you were last so there's no, I have to sit down and do it in one day sort of thing and again with the spit kit, um, you, there's, it tells you how to do it when you do receive it and it also explains how to create the saliva and you know to help you along I found I was very dry mouth when I was trying to do it, so it took me a long time, and I had to do it in a couple of sittings, which, again, is also okay. Um, yeah, so that kind of... I, I didn't want... I was going to go into the full um, details of the report, but I, looking at it, I, I can't work all of it out. There's so much there to read. So I'll need time to sift through that myself, to be fair. So, But the link for that, again, is in the... Um, episode details of the show so you can choose to do that yourself or if you just go to the decode link for um, the results summary they actually have a link in there for you to go to it so moving on a little bit more lighter in topic and I just was um, interested to know what other people get up to uh, if they have anything um, that they do for fun if there's anything they use as an active resting sort of thing. Um, I know, like I said at the beginning of the show, it's very hard because not everybody on their ME journey will be at the same place and not everyone will be able to manage the same amount of activity and a lot of it gets put with the pacing side of things because you sometimes you have to... I, I found since having children that... Um, priorities kind of change a little bit you have to my priority at the moment is getting them out the door to school obviously not during the summer holidays but but that's the thing so I, I generally don't do an awful lot of things that I would like I take interest in for myself because I don't have the energy to do it and then there are days where you have the good days where the symptoms kind of it's a weird, weird one unless you understand the illness or have it yourself it's very very hard to grasp how it can change not just i'm very sorry that as an airplane go i'm right under the heathrow flight path that is incredibly loud isn't it live podcasting people anyway as i was saying um uh it unless you're actually in it or understand the illness or have it it's very hard to kind of grasp that 
it can change daily and that's why it's a, it's a fluctuating condition so you, you're not guaranteed to feel the same every day but it can also change almost minutely to the hour sometimes where you know you, you get up and you can manage something and you think well brilliant and then all of a sudden you bam you crashed and you're in bed and even for someone like myself you know I've been diagnosed since 2006 I fell ill with glandular fever as you know in 2004 so I've had a look, good old long battle and journey with this with fluctuating periods of milder symptoms severe I've had remission relapses so I've I've kind of hit all spectrums at some point and it's um still gets to the point where I, I can never I can never quite pace correctly and post-exertional malaise always seems to hit as well so it's a it's a tough one but for me personally I've always enjoyed and um, I love reading and it's frustrating when I'm in a point where I can't read um so that's something that's always really sad because I do love to read and um also what people don't take for granted as well with reading is it's not just the cognitive side of it where you you know if your cognitive the brain fog kicks in you know you can read a page sometimes less and it just it's not going in you can't you can't focus your eyes blur you can't read anyway it's so many different impairments come with it but also the weight of the books i know that sounds because people books are not that heavy and i'm not talking about big coffee table books I mean just a normal story but but to someone who has ME that that can be very heavy especially if you enjoy reading and um, you can't pick the book up it's quite frustrating um, but also Lindsay bought me and I've always been against it because I I love books but she bought me uh, Amazon Kindle for my birthday uh, just one of the really thin paper light ones whatever they're called and it's been a game changer for me I, I again I'm still not I can't come away from books fully but it has meant that I can when I'm able to read in bed which is fantastic it really is fantastic and it's got the dark screen setting so you can actually um, have the dark background with the white writing which helps with the light sensitivity especially um, at night time when you're, you're even more fatigued anyway especially with having a full day with the kids and whatnot so um but yeah what a game changer and i've been able to read a few but a couple of new books um and um a very film familiar book that i've not read for a while which is really good but um i've also got people to join in with this on instagram so i've got a few little suggestions of what other people have done and one of them, um, um, Sarah Rowley, she's um, interacted before, and she put that for her, she likes to watch a film or a TV series that she's um, seen before. So it's an easy watch, not much concentration needed. And again, I echo that. That is such a, if you are able to watch a bit of TV, because again, that can check, you might be able to today, you might not be able to tomorrow might not be able to at all but if you're in a position where cognitively and you can concentrate and it's not going to exhaust you too much um i have an ipad that is a big help so you can watch a little bit of something in bed um but yeah it's i find the same with books as well if you read 
or watch something that you know, I find that it actually it's not as hard as reading a new book or watching a new program because it's familiar. And it, I, I definitely echo that and think that's such a good thing. If there's something that you love and you know, not necessarily not the back of your hand, because I always find, I don't know if anyone else um, feels this, but please do reach out, message me. I'll be interested to hear what you think about it. But whenever I read a new book, a book that I've read before, doesn't matter how many times I've read it, I always pick up something different, something new, something that I haven't heard or, re or realised or, or missed sometimes. I think that's always quite interesting. Um, and to keep with um, that kind of um, active resting or activity, should I say, um, Karen Peony also said that um, reading when she when it's allowed so obviously she has issues with the cognitive function sort of thing the brain fog so um and binge a series listen to music and podcasts and again those are things that i really enjoy as well music especially i'm a big music fan and um a little bit um gutted because i can't go to m many gigs at the moment to especially the ones that I would normally go to when I am in a better position because they're generally standing so it's quite hard but I do have tickets for um, Taylor Swift next year era's tour uh, but ambient seats at Wembley so I'm very excited about that and um, one of my best friends Dave's taking me to it so um, he's coming along too which um, he's not he's not Swift he's not he doesn't like Taylor Swift. He doesn't dislike her, obviously, but he is not his thing. But he he weighs my he was my best man at my um, wedding. Uh, you know, he's one of those he would do anything for me anyway, and it means Lindsay's I I did want to take um Aurora, but just don't think she's quite ready. I don't know why I'm whispering she's in bed at the moment, but um but yeah, so we um just it's gonna be hard enough for me going and I've got to get myself into a position where I can manage that, which if I was to be going this year, there's no way. But I'm going about it the right way, getting mobility aids and trying to help myself so I can manage it. And um, But when I saw that Paramore were uh, the warm-up act and told him that, he was dead excited because we've went, we been to watch Paramore a few times and we, lo we, love, we love Paramore, so that's going to be so cool. So that's given me something to... Kind of look forward to but yeah again like i say listening to music is still good and that's another thing that we take for granted as well because i think we forget how tiring listening to something like t chatting for me i love talking to people but having a conversation is can especially if you're in a crash or you've relapsed or you're in a bad way with the condition at the period it's um i find just chatting is exhausting. It's tiring anyway because it's it does use a lot of energy up. But when you add the fact that you've got Emmy, you've got other sort of things creeping in, like you've got children, you've got family, you've got work life. Some little things that people take for granted can be really hard on your system, and it takes a lot long time for you to recover. Uh, especially if you're in a you know in that severe spectrum, just one conversation can have you bedridden for weeks it's it unless you know and understand the illness it's really hard to grasp how just having a chat can floor someone but 
hey, this is why I'm doing these podcasts to try and bring a little bit of information and a bit of light as well to um, what it's like to live with this condition. Um, Pixie Feet 28 said, when she was first diagnosed, she taught herself to knit and crochet, and it's been lifesavers. So finding little things, um, God, that flight, I don't think I've ever had it this bad. I don't know if it's because it's night time and it all feels more amplified, I don't know. But um, but yeah, having little um, um, yeah, right, it kind of gives you something, like little enjoyment in life, um, because it can be lonely, it can be tough if you're living inside four walls, um, whether it's housebound, bedbound, whether you're mild and you can do a little bit or you are able to do some sort of part-time work, it's hard when you go to work and come home and all you do is rest because you need to be able to get back up to go to work. I've been in that position and it is it is very difficult. And But if you've got something like a hobby, I suppose, because um, I taught myself how to uh, play guitar. Um, I can't remember now if it was after I was diagnosed or whether it was in that period where I was... I'd had glandular fever and I wasn't, we didn't know what was going on. And it sounds ridiculous because I, I couldn't do a lot. But I, and to be fair, when I say taught myself guitar, it took me a good chunk of time and it was like two or three chords and some simple Beatles songs. <laughs> and so I wouldn't say I'm, um, I'm a pro or anything, but it was, it gave me something to try and find some enjoyment in, which I think does help if you can. And again, like I say, people will be in a position where they can't do that. So, And that that's totally fine. That is totally, you've got to do what you can do and manage your illness the best way. Because only you know your body. So, you know, just because someone can do it doesn't mean you can. Um, another person, um, Catherine Glynn, said she plays games on her tablet or phone. Again, so accessible now. I mean, I love my PlayStation. Um, Aurora plays it more than I do and probably better than I do now so um but I do like to have a game on the PlayStation but it can be very hard especially with the loading everything up and I've had it in the past <laughs> when I want to have like a little bang on FIFA because the good thing with like something like FIFA it's like a 10 minute game so you can play one maybe two games depending on how you are but every time I go to put it on it's all updating because it constantly updates and so it's like well I never end up playing it whenever I do turn it on so um, but, but having your games now those mobile games does make it a lot more accessible for people who are bed or house bound and want to have five minutes of fun so there's definitely I'd be interested to see if anyone else plays I've, I've currently bought um or not bought I've got we've got Apple one so in the Apple arcade I've got the um chess arcade game which is quite fun because it's got is you can play games either online or against a computer or they've got what's called the chess academy and it's loads of little problem solving so I'm finding that's quite fun because it's um, allowing me to use my brain a little bit and I do like playing chess it's better than trying to teach Aurora to play chess if anyone's seen that episode of um Bluey when um, Bandit's trying to teach them to play chess that is exactly how it is so uh, <laughs> so yeah I wouldn't so let me know if there's any sort of games you like to play on your phone or tablet. Please um, put something either in. The, you can interact 
with this podcast on Spotify, I believe. I'm not too sure if Apple Music does it, but um, I did have someone put something. I was like, oh my god, yeah, it was quite nice to be able to read uh, comments. So, um, and one of my friends um, from Andy underscore T Mawson, uh, who's one of my friends um, from Beachbody, and um, she says her husband has severe chronic back pain um, from something that happened 20 odd years back but he's got a he's in quite a bad wave at the moment so he's at home um, housebound most of the time and he has a perspex bird feeder in the window and he likes to watch the different birds that come and feed and I think that again is one of those lovely little things which I agree with it's such a nature is it, if you can manage to get out if you or if you're lucky enough to have a window that you can look out of which i find we are incredible incredibly lucky to live in windsor and have all this greenery around because it means i can just sit and if i'm able to and listen to the birds much we've got a robin family and loads of wildlife the rabbits and everything that come into our back garden it's so beautiful it's so horrible because I've been in the position where I was first poorly and I lived in central London and you didn't have that so um, it's that sometimes it doesn't matter where you are on the severity scale you might not have that on your doorstep so but if any sort of way you can encourage that we're just waking up a bit earlier sometimes like you know sometimes you have the insomnia you have the sleep disturbances just being at your window, leave the window open a little bit and you can hear the bird song is <clears throat> quite a beautiful thing. And um, yeah, so I think when it comes to doing this sort of thing, you need to, well, not needs a rock, the wrong word, but you um, have to do what's right for you. Not everyone can read, not everyone can watch the TV. But some people find, like, like I said, the knitting, crochet. Um, Lindsay recently started doing embroidering and it's given her she's exhausted she's working coming home looking after me and the girls and um although i'm able to do a little bit i can't do half as much as i feel i need to be or should be doing as if i was functioning functioning normally so but so lindsay's exhausted but she's found it's given her something to be positive about and be you know she's put in able to put some time into doing something for her and um yeah it's little things like that cooking again cooking is one of those things i can't do um i can you know i can maybe throw some stuff together if it's all chopped and ready but i can't cook a meal at the moment and it's i love cooking so um one bonus is i've um lindsay's done a bit more so she's she's really good at cooking and that, that does help so i'm getting good food at least so but um, yeah, um, I think I'll leave that there because I've just realised I'm waffling on a little bit more than planned and I'm getting a bit tired now too. And it just it was just quite nice to have a few interactions with people with what they get up to. And um, yeah, it's, it's again, you've got to listen to your body. Only you know your body and only you know what you can or can't do and what will make you worse because post-exertion malaise is one of those things and crashes those things that just they're inevitable you can't avoid them but 
don't again i don't want to be like a preacher here because i know i'm I'm terrible at it myself sometimes doing an event like for me going to taylor swift next year it's probably could well cause a, a relapsing condition it could well you know or just depending on where i am be the p the dreaded pem but sometimes these little things are worth it because it does allow you to kind of feel um normal for for a brief spell of time so uh, anyway um so just a reminder you can interact with me uh on my instagram at chat with me podcast or twitter at chat with me pod uh so if there's anything you would like me to cover or talk about or you'd like to mention something about the show and um stuff that you enjoy to get up to because just because I've already recorded this doesn't mean that we can't chat about it uh, via social media. And a reminder that the links to the Decode ME um, are in both my link trees on both those pages. And also my personal pages at Brooksme at Swift. So you will be able to join in there and it will give you the summary. You can get the full report from the initial findings or if you're late to the party, you can join up and um, help with this study. Um, I'm not 100% sure what the next show will be because I've got a couple of exciting things coming up. So um, my good friends at um, another podcast started around about the same time as mine called <clears throat> Post-Exertional Mayonnaise. Uh, it's run by Dov and Dan. And um, I just wanted to give a shout out to them because they had a guest on there um, called Alison Larkman, who is from the I Would Be Here If I Could project, which is due to, um, it's kind of beginning now, but it will um, run next summer. And she was on their show recently and um, she's going to come on to this one too. We're just trying to work out when it can be done. Uh, I'm thinking once the kids are back in school so that I can manage it sort of thing. But So, yeah, so I'm going to find out a bit more about that project, which will be a lot of fun. And also, a um, friend of mine, Jessica Taylor-Beerman, um, the girl, um, she's the author of A Girl Behind Dark Glasses and A Girl in One Room. She has her new book, A Girl Beyond Closed Doors, coming out this, I don't want to say it's either October or November, get all that information don't you worry when we talk to her but she's going to come on the show too and tell us a little bit about her new book i suppose and um i believe she's going to be writing a fiction novel as well so that will be quite interesting so a couple of good shows to look forward to dotted in and around the next couple of weeks so for me that is goodbye i'm michael brooks this is chat with me and i will speak to you again soon bye